0: I always wake up every day and think to myself, well, I won't get it right, I'm not gonna get it perfect, can I make today a little bit better than yesterday? And honestly, some days that's just really refreshing. (laughs) It's just to know, okay, you survived yesterday Mm -hmm. for all the good, the bad, and the ugly. What can tomorrow bring, and can it just be a little bit better? And I think when you think about, well, what do you want in your own leader, I think that's really all people want, is just to know that the person that is their boss, if you wanna think of it that way, cares enough to try to make tomorrow better.
1: Welcome to a brand new season of the Inspire podcast presented by Atrium Health. This is a podcast series for Panthers fans where we highlight admirable women from across the Carolinas as they share stories and lessons from their lives and careers. And I am just thrilled. We did this podcast last season and it was such a hit that we are bringing it back. And to kick off the very first episode of season two, I am thrilled to be joined right now in studio by Callie Dobbins, the senior vice president of Atrium Health Levine Children's Hospital. Uh, Callie, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to have you here in studio. And I I just have to know, I know you're a Panthers fan. absolutely And Atrium and the Panthers work so closely together. Have you been in the stadium like this early in the morning, I guess I should say? (laughs) You know,
0: it's interesting. I had the opportunity to help with our mass vax events. And so that was the very first time I saw the Panthers stadium completely in a different lens. Yeah. Um, And so at 6 a.m. we were walking in and, you know, the stadium was dark and we were trying to set up for vaccines. Um, And immediately I was like, wow, I guess this is what it's really like not on game day. Because the only other time I'd ever been in the stadium has obviously been during game day. So um, really, really, really crazy and wonderful experience to see the thousands of people that we were able to vaccinate during those um, several weeks
1: when we were here. And I might have met you then. I was one of those people. I was a recipient of what a great job Atrium did um, for for both of the early vaccinations. So thank you so much for doing that. But what a cool I did not know that. What a what a great way to get introduced to the stadium. Yes.
0: And um, get to meet some of the people behind the scenes. And um, and like I said, I I have such an appreciation now of how difficult logistics must be on game day as we were trying to navigate these thousands of people coming in and figuring out where where we were going to have people stand and do. So um, definitely an experience that that I will never forget.
1: I think that's a very uh, very nice way of saying that, but something tells me when it comes to logistics – we have got nothing on you. <laughs> so well. I would love, speaking of that, I would love for people who don't know for you to just explain what your role is. I know you've been with Atrium your whole career. You started as a nurse. So we tell me a little bit about what your current role encompasses? Sure.
0: So I am currently the senior vice president for Levine Children's. And so what does that mean? Um, I have the opportunity really to work side by side with our physicians, our clinicians, our families and shape the programs that are both in Charlotte, in Georgia, and at Brenner Children's in Winston-Salem. Um, I did start out my career as a registered nurse, and it is how I always say as I'm a nurse first. Mm. It is really important to me that I um, listen and reflect on on what it was like myself to be a nurse, but also to appreciate the intricacies of what healthcare really is about, and that's about taking care of people when they need us most. And I'm sure you'll appreciate being a mom that— Taking care of your prized possession, your child, comes with a both an opportunity and an incredible responsibility.
1: Absolutely. And I was just telling you before we started rolling that I could gush all day. So yes. I gave birth five months ago. My OB is uh, atrium. I actually met her on this podcast, which is incredible. So cool. And I am so thankful for that. I uh, gave birth in Atrium Hospital. And uh, my little guy, not many people know this, but my little guy spent his first night in the NICU, and we were incredibly fortunate. We knew that it was most likely just gonna be a one-night thing, but we felt in, in such great hands, I could, I could tear up right now. It's nine o'clock in the morning, and I'm, I'm feeling emotional in the best way because I just I have so much love for what you all do there, and I've been a recipient of it. Um, and I'm just wondering from your side, what made you want to go into this larger role, and, um, and what led you there?
0: You know, it's it's interesting when I reflect back. So I've been with Atrium 21 years, um, and I sort of think about my career in at least two to three parts. Mm. And the first part was all things immersing myself in being a registered nurse in the neonatal ICU, actually. Um, and what did I learn in the NICU? Oh, wow. You experienced a really powerful day you'll never forget, and it was one day. And some families experience yeah. that day times a year or more. Um, and I I saw healthcare through this beautiful lens of high high skill, mm-hmm. right? Being able to take care of people, um, particularly babies that can't talk, right? Mm-hmm. So you had to really hone in on your clinical skills. And what I loved was the art of taking care of people. Wow. Um, and so when I started thinking about what was going to be my sort of journey as being a registered nurse, admittedly when I left Chapel Hill, so I'm a UNC grad, I I never thought I would not take care of people with my hands, right? Mm-hmm. Hands on clinical care. Um, so I thought I'd be a nurse practitioner and, um, and I, and some things happen with timing. And so I often think about, well, well, what would have happened if I wouldn't have opened a door when it was in front of me? And so a um, About 15 years ago, I had an opportunity to to try out leadership, and it was actually in the unit that I loved, so in the neonatal ICU, and in that time, um, the team was in desperate need of an advocate. Mm. And I thought, well, why not try it? I may not like it, or I might fall in love with it, but never know until you try it. And honestly, and probably not surprisingly now knowing my career path, I fell in love with taking care of people a different way. Mm. And so I learned that, you know, I could actually take care of the 100 babies that are in that NICU every day if I learned to take care of the 200 and some odd staff. And if I learned to shape programs so that your son and everyone else for years to come would have a, a level of care that made you feel confident, you didn't need to go anywhere. Um, and so that really s- stimulated or sparked my interest in leadership. And then as as I've continued to grow, I've, I've attacked everything the same way and that is why not try why Mm -hmm. not learn um and so it was kind of scary to leave the NICU um because I had done it for so long but um when I had the opportunity to take the hospital executive job at Levine Children's Hospital which is essentially running the day-to-day operations of the hospital again I took the same vantage point of why not try and why not wrap my arms around the thousands of people instead of hundreds of people and let's see if I can do it and it's been an awesome journey.
1: I, w- I want to dive into something you just said because I, I love getting to, to dig in with just incredibly powerful women. And I think there are people that listen to this podcast that are maybe on the cusp of taking on responsibility or have some experience with it, or maybe it's something they want to do in the future. My first question is just how? How do you, you know, as you said, 100 babies in the NICU, you're responsible for them, and then also the 200-something-odd staff. Where do you start? How do you prioritize on a daily basis? And what have you learned from doing this?
0: Well, first of all, it's not, it's, it's not a straight path. Mm. And don't be afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and that sounds so cliche. And I know, you know if you listen to podcasts or you talk to other people, people will always say things, things similar to that. But it really is true. So for me, um, you know, there were so many reasons to say no Right, I was I was a relatively new mom at the time. I had um, I had a work schedule that was what I thought more conducive, right, to being a, to being a working mom. And then I started saying yes to some of these leadership things. Um, and where do you start? I think I, I always wake up every day and think to myself, well, I won't get it right, I'm not going to get it perfect. Can I make today a little bit better than yesterday? Mm-hmm. And and honestly, some days that's just really refreshing. <laughs> it's just to know, okay, you survived yesterday mm-hmm. for all the good, the bad, and the ugly. What can tomorrow bring, and can it just be a little bit better? Um, and I think when you when you're a leader, I, I think when you think about, well, what do you want in your own leader? I think that's really all people want is just to know that the person that is you know their boss, if you want to think of it that way, cares enough to try to make tomorrow better. Mm.
1: And, and how do you um, compartmentalize in terms of all of the different responsibilities that you have going on? Or prioritize, I guess, maybe yeah, is a better word. You know,
0: it's so hard to prioritize some days. And so I I, I sort of have a smile on my face because I, I'm a list writer. Mm-hmm. So I'll start there. Um, Me too. Good to know. Right. I feel, okay. I'm like, and all right, like, got that down. It has to be literally written. <laughs> Like I, I, yet to figure out yeah. how to fully make it electronic. I like being able to scratch it off and check it off. Do you
1: ever write something down just to scratch it off? Of something? course. Okay, me too. Of yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? You got to give yourself credit. Yeah. If you, you didn't. It. It, yeah. If you've done it, you got to go back and say, "I did it." There's something it. so satisfying about that.
0: And that means tomorrow was a little bit better. You yes. did it, right? Yeah. Uh, so yes, I definitely do that. But um, but I do try to try to take take sort of inventory of what are those things that are really important to get done write them down, and then start to just sort of t- tackle them one by one. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I often think about things holistically. So I'm, I don't do as well, sorry to say, I don't do as well compartmentalizing work in one bucket and life in another. Mm. Um, and I think that's partly because in healthcare we're a 24-7, 365 business. So I never get to think about, oh, it's time to turn the lights off, time to go home, right? The phone can always ring, although I have an incredible team that usually makes things really amazing during the off hours. It's it's real, right? It does happen. And so I've sort of had to figure out, for me, and that doesn't work for everybody, but for me, um, what are all the to-dos? Mm-hmm. And then how do we start to think about what to-dos we do by when?
1: I really, really like that. That's incredible advice. And how do you say you're with your two kids, let's say. And I know, like you said, you have a great team, but it's 9 or 10 o'clock because it is such a 24-7 thing. How do you decompress, enjoy, give them your attention? I'm asking for myself because I'm going to have to learn all these things. Uh, Knowing that, you know, at any given moment something might come up or you've got something to deal with later or first thing when you wake up you see something that happened overnight.
0: Great, great question. Um, You know, first of all, I'll say... Some days work wins, and some days life wins. Mm -hmm. Um, And I used to struggle with this idea of balance. I used to struggle with a lot of mommy guilt. I don't know if you've had any
1: yet, but I'm sure a little bit. I'm sure there's quite a bit more coming for me. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I think it's I
0: think it's I think it's it's all encompassing, right? It's in every stage. My mom has always said to me, you know, with every stage of your child's life, you think that one's the best, Mm. and in a lot of ways, it is. You're in it. And then you get to the next stage, and you're like, oh, I love that too. And then you get maybe not fully into the stage I'm in of teenager hand. Maybe it's not the best stage. <laughs> it's a challenging stage, yeah. but I love it too, right? Yeah. And so, um, so because of that, I think you have to make different decisions based on the stage of where your kids are. Mm. Um, so when they're really little, they're completely dependent on you for everything. So boundaries probably are going to be more important. Bedtime is going to be a bit more rigid. Things like that make, make decisions of how you get work done for work, off hours different. Whereas as my kids got older, I found that I would put them to bed and I, it was actually refreshing for me to finish up my to-dos, mm. my work to-dos, mm-hmm. after quote-unquote family time was sort of ended. Um, but it's all about finding a style that works for you and your family. Um, and I, I talk to moms all the time because I, I think it's, Uh, I think it's a true challenge that we face. I also think, though, it's a challenge we can face together Mm -hmm. um, if we're willing to just share that it's not always pretty and that sometimes it's hard and here's how I did it. Maybe it won't work for you, but maybe it will. Right.
1: I I love what you said about the different stages. That's something I can definitely apply to my own life because. Similarly with a, a baby, I have a five-month-old now, you know, the thing that worked last week isn't going to work this Absolutely. week, and I, I love that approach also when it comes to trying to figure out what works for me, or if there are other moms listening, what works for them, that maybe the thing that worked last year in that stage of your kids' lives isn't the thing that's going to work uh, next year. So I, I really appreciate As you can tell, I'm mining. I use these podcasts, and I hope it's helpful for everyone else. I'm like, okay, I need advice. Okay, yes. I how can I do this? What well, you just mentioned, talking to moms in your job, can you give me a little bit of a sense of uh, who you get to interact with, and and on a daily basis, and what you try to do for the families uh, at work?
0: Yeah, mo- most of my day is spent interacting with the teams that are caring directly for our families mm-hmm. and our patients, um, and so. What, what I try to do in that work is, is really do a lot of listening mm-hmm. um, and shaping. You know, if I hear that it would be nice if we had, you know, a, a, a program or a thing or a, a, a specialty thing for our families, and I try to figure out, okay, one, does it make sense through the lens of of healthcare, And two, not that not that my experience is one and all, but I do think because I've been a nurse and because I am a female and because I happen to be a mom – oftentimes I can sort of mentally check through my head and go, oh, that makes a lot of sense, mm. right? Or, gosh, I wish someone would have thought about that when I was going through that stage. And so that's what I do a lot um, as far as shaping the programs for for Levine Children's. And, and, and you know, I say to um, our donors and others that I genuinely get up every day with one goal in mind, one that's to make today better, but the other is that, I never want to have to look at a friend or a family member who has a child and say, yeah, you probably need to leave Charlotte. Mm. Um, and so for 14 plus years, literally, that's what we've been doing every day. And one block by block by block, we have built um, truly both by accolades and by, you know, data a program at Levine Children's that says you don't have to. And why does that matter? Because it is really nice to know you have a family, you have your 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 network mm-hmm. to be able to rely on when you're there. Because it's a really lonely place to have to get in a plane
1: with your child and be cared for um, and not have your network. Absolutely. that's That was just really beautiful. Um, I, I want to know, I was going to ask you, what are some of the things that, in that fourteen years, you're the most proud of? But I don't think that's the right way to word it. What are some of the moments that stand out to you? Because I am just so in awe of of what you all do because I know that I could never do it. I could never take that on. First of all, I don't know that I could pass all the tests to uh, to become a registered nurse. You do have to love uh, it. and then there's the and then there's the blood factor and all of those things. i'm just I'm so in awe. Of everything that that you guys do, especially when it comes to taking care of children. So, what are some of the moments that you've looked back on and say, "Wow, I just I can tell that we've really made a difference here." Oh wow, um, whew,
0: that's a tough one. Um, there's so much to be proud of. I mean, I still distinctly can close my eyes and remember the first day when we moved patients into the building. Oh, wow. um, and there was so much belief that we could do it. Um, and so that was a day filled with hope and excitement and, ooh, we're going to get to do this, right? And then uh, the day that we started doing bone marrow transplants, um, we have always, for before Levine Children's Hospital is open, we were doing heart transplants. But last year, to know that we did the most heart transplants of anybody in the Southeast. That's incredible. Here in Charlotte. Mm. Um, to know that kids are are traveling internationally to choose our hospital in Charlotte. And again, why does that matter to me? All those things mean validation for you as a mom mm-hmm. or for any of these moms that might be listening today to know that we've got a gym in our backyard, mm-hmm. um, and that gym is there for your kids. Um, and so there, th- th- my pride will always center around doing it for the children that we're here to serve um, and their families. Um, and so – You know, U.S. News and World Report, um, you know, it's interesting. We're we're all in in industries where we have, uh, you know, awards and beacons of success, and that's ours. Um, And if you're in the children's hospital business nationally, you know that most children's hospitals have been, you know, their doors have been open for 50, 60, 70, in some cases 120 years. So we're the new kid on the block. Um, and I go to meetings nationally to tell our story and to learn and grow. And people look at us like, huh, how have y'all done that in 14 years? Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, there is nothing more prideful than to look at them and say, because we have a great team and we've stayed focused on what matters
1: and come to Charlotte and see. Um, and people have, right? To be ranked in the U.S. News & World Report, that's incredible. It is It is Thanks. so incredible. And just congratulations to you and your team and I'm just looking at you and you're smiling yes. and it's it's just so amazing because not only what a feat is it for for the entire the entirety of Atrium Health but also because it means that you're making a difference yes. in so yeah. many people's lives so many children's lives so many families' lives which I just think is incredible I want to go back, um, as we're talking about things that might relate to to the larger audience, things that a lot of people are going through, where you said your primary job is to care for the teams that are caring Mm -hmm. for people. and I think everyone, I imagine this is something that nurses have been dealing with for a very long time since nursing became a profession, but something that everyone has dealt with over the last couple of years, which is just uh, burnout. Mm -hmm. How do you manage teams who are in charge of of caring for our most vulnerable. And I imagine that just takes an emotional toll.
0: It does. Caring for people is both a, a certainly a an honor, but it is, it is emotionally t- t- difficult. It is. Um, and I think if I'm honest, it's an area that we haven't yet quite figured out. No, no one has. COVID and certainly being in the healthcare pandemic for the last two plus years, put it squarely in front of me um, that, that we have to start figuring it out. And so, you know, we're trying, um, we, we really talk a lot about self-care, but that in itself is a, is a new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started as a nurse, you know, there was no, there was no crying in baseball, if you will, yeah. right? Like we didn't, you, didn't, you didn't talk about the emotions of what it means to take care of a family member or, or excuse me, a, a patient whose family may be experiencing a, a tragic loss or a very, very scary situation. We just didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so we are we are starting to understand how important it is to do that. Let's talk about it. Uh, we have um, ways in which we can bring people who are trained in sort of stress reduction and, and finding ways to sort of care for care internally by talking. Um, and so those teams will come and, and support our teams, but it's an area that we've got to keep growing in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And an area that I've Personally, need to keep growing in, right? It's it's there's a lot of burdens we hold, um, and I think we don't quite understand the stress of those burdens until we feel them in a in a physical way, and then we realize, oh gosh, now what do we do?
1: Oh, well, I don't think anyone has it it figured out, and um, I I think it's incredible that you um, in your role are so focused on it. Yes. You know, and like you said, this has all just been a, a new thing, especially the added stress of the last two years, but something that nurses. Uh, and any medical professional deals with daily. And I, I think it's just incredible that, that it is something that's at the forefront of what you do. I want to ask as well, um, do you have time to do anything fun? How do you wind down? Because we are going through, I mean, your day. I think if I started your day, I'd have to wake up at 4 a.m. and then go to bed at midnight. You're kind of Someday. looking at me like, Someday. yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> How do you personally wind down? and take time for yourself?
0: So I've actually um, been on this sort of journey myself, right? So we were just talking about self-care as a team and I've really tried to um, listen to myself, Mm. right? I'm really good about telling others, hey, you should take a moment. Hey, turn off your phone. Hey, okay, how do you do it yourself? So, um, you know, again, I'm also on a personal journey. And there are a few things that I call bright spots of COVID. um, And one is that life did slow down. And it did help me personally, while the while the world of healthcare did not slow down, the, the other stuff of life did. And so it helped me personally sort of take stock in what do I find joy in and what are those things that I'm going to critically protect? And so um, I had put up the tennis racket for two decades. Mm. And, well, it was a COVID-safe activity. It was mm-hmm, outdoors, absolutely. right? It was something I could try again. And I have fallen head over heels again. Um, For being able to play tennis, and so, and uh, that's also brought me a new network of people. Mm. Um, And so, you know, knowing that that's something, usually one or two nights of the of the week that I pretty pretty consistently am able to get to do is so much fun, both because I'm just Callie, Mm -hmm. right? Callie learning to relearning to play tennis. So, um, so that's one thing I do. And then um, I have been working. On, on meditating. Mm-hmm. Um, now, let me say, I am the person who a year ago would like close one eye, look at the watch, like tw- <laughs> oh, 20 seconds has gone by. Yeah. OK, is that good? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I am not ever going to commit to telling you that I'm like this great meditator. But I have been working on sort of calming my brain before bed um, because I am notorious for um, reading an email right before to go to bed. And then I can't figure out why I can't go to sleep. And so I've been trying that. And you know what? it actually kind of works.
1: I like that. I'm I'm a bad meditator myself, but yes, I will try it as well. (laughs) I mean, I'm like four minutes, five minutes, and I feel like I've like run a marathon, right? Yeah, no kidding. But for
0: me, I used to try it in the mornings, and what I've learned is that my brain is too stimulated in the morning. Mm -hmm. I am already running that checklist. I'm already thinking about the things that have to get done that day, but at night can sort of decompress a little bit better. So for whatever that's worth, that's that's my tip for the day.
1: I think that's really good. I've never tried it. I've tried it in the morning as well or maybe midday, you know, lunch break type of yep. thing. I've never tried it right before bed, so try I will it. try that tonight. Let me know. Well, Callie, I just want to say thank you so much. I could talk to you for another hour, but I know that you are incredibly busy. I appreciate you coming here to Bank of America Stadium and just sharing your wisdom Like I said, I get to use this um, as my chance to ask questions to women that I really admire. And I I hope that it is helpful for everybody else listening. But I just had the best time talking to you and learning from you. And I can't thank you enough for the time.
0: Well, thanks for letting me have a chance to talk. it was been a great morning.